This morning, I want to talk about getting ready for next week. And in light of that, just talking about some of the promises of Jesus. Um, You know, as you think about moving forward, what I would suggest possibly sometime this week is maybe uh, watch, um, you know, one of the Jesus movies. I know Netflix got one for each gospel and several, and then, you know, uh, Prime, Prime Time has a few themselves. But, you know, I don't know, it might be just good to sit down and prepare yourself as we come in and celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And I just want to encourage you, and maybe just read through one of the Gospels this week. And if you are looking for uh, a suggestion, I would suggest the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of John. And maybe read through it this week. And just kind of prepare yourself and ask the Lord to kind of fill your heart and mentally prepare you and spiritually prepare you to come and celebrate what Jesus has done for you and I. Um. As Jesus was preparing to uh, his disciples, he said something that's pretty interesting. You know, here he, he spent three years with the, with, the, with the 12 and ministering and walking around a, uh, ancient Israel there and just, you know, being with them almost 24-7. And even when he wasn't with them, he'd walk across the water to join them. Uh, and just always talking to them in these stories and these parables and asking them questions. But then he came along in, in John uh, 13.1, and he said, Before the Passover uh, celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world, and he returned to his Father. And he said that to the disciples. I must leave you. I am going to leave you. Now, he would say things along the way like, destroy, destroy this body and in three days I would destroy the temple and in three days I'll rebuild it. And everybody was up in arms about that. And I'm sure like Peter and John and, and Matthew are probably going, what do you think he means by that? <laughs> well, go ahead, John. Go over there and ask him. What, what did he mean by that? You know, and he would say these things about Leaving. It's a fairly innocent comment, but he's spending three years with his band of followers, hand-selected by him, together 24-7. But I must leave. I must go to the Father. And he leaves them, and he's talking about leaving them. And he doesn't lay out a five-year plan. He doesn't lay out a succession of leadership. He doesn't, you know, say, okay, this is what it's going to look like after I leave, boys, so that you can just keep following the plan. He just kind of says, I'm going to leave. I got to go be with the Father. And so you can imagine... As they're listening to this, they're going, what are we going to do? You know, we basically, by walking with you and being with you all this time, burned every bridge possible. We are marked by the Sanhedrin. They know us by name. Where, what's going to happen to us? You know, um, 
And his leadership, think about, it, think about the leadership team that Jesus built. They're probably all sitting there thinking, we're in big trouble. Matter of fact, typically, they were thin-skinned, thick-headed, slow to believe, quick to forget, and most often, they just didn't get it. Now, I'm not just writing about myself. <laughs> Although they were pretty easy words to write out. But that, that described the 12, didn't it? You know, they're constantly going, what do you mean by that? And then you have Jesus announcing to them, I am leaving you. I got to go be with the Father. This is a recipe for absolute disaster. Right? Disaster. I can imagine, I, I know what I would think. Look, I just gave you three years, probably my best, best part of my life, and you're leaving me? Can you take me with you? What's the plan? And Jesus would, as you're thinking about it, you know, who's going to be in charge? What kind of structure of ministry is there going to be? How's it going to be funded if Jesus goes back to heaven? How are we going to exist? What are we going to do from here? If he really leaves us behind, which Jesus said, I'm leaving you behind, which reminds me of a story I, I read this week. This couple was returning home from a vacation, and there, the, his wife was sleeping in the back of the van, and so this couple was, with this, the, uh, Mr. Smith was driving down, um, you know, the highway, I-15, and all of a sudden he sees these lights behind him. And there was the highway patrol, Officer Casey Clark <laughs> was behind him flashing his lights. And he's going, Mr. Smith is going, I wonder what's this about? You know, he was driving the speed limit. You know, he was, and so he, get, he pulls over and he's thinking, well, maybe we can do this quiet enough that my wife Jane won't wake up because it was late at night, and, uh, so he, and so he rolls down his windows, and he goes, yes, officer. And the gentleman that Casey, Officer Casey, you know, he's a pretty bold, big guy, you know, he said, are you Mr. Smith? He's going, yeah, I'm Mr. Smith. Is your wife Jane Smith? How in the world? What do you mean, my wife? What? How do you know me? How do you know my wife? And he's, and he's going, well... Mr. Smith, when you stopped 60 miles back and got gas, and when you went in to pay for your gas, your wife went into the restroom. And she's back there waiting for you. I would love to hear what's going through your head right now. Whoops. 
Can you imagine what, you, know, you can imagine what it feels like to be left behind. I mean, I, I think about that and I kind of wonder, now how would that, you know, he, well, anyways. <laughs> but, you know, being the feeling of being left behind, and I'm sure there's people in this room, including myself, that know what it feels like to be left behind. You know, a divorce. Somebody passes away. Changes. People leaving, leaving your life. And the pain that comes with that separation. And you can imagine what the 12 were feeling when they heard, I am leaving. And you're going to be left behind. But Jesus would say this, and we'll move on with it. You're going to be left behind, but you're not going to be left alone. Let me say that again. You're going to be left behind, but you're not going to be left alone. And so Jesus, at this point, begins to move forward. Because the idea is all of their security was built on their life around Christ, much like ours, much like what um, Vern and Anna talked about today, that Christ being the center of their life brought them full circle, full circle, and brought, brings us into the reality that you and I can count on Jesus, even though he's not here, he's here. Even though we can't touch him, we see him. Jesus did and does have a plan. Jesus did and does have a plan. And that plan not only applied to the 12, but it applies to everybody that surrenders and gives their lives over to Jesus Christ. We are numbered with them. Just before he goes to the cross, he's having this conversation, and he begins to talk about the promises that he's offering to his disciples. And one of those is this. He promised them a future that, would, that he would share with them. He promises a future that he would share with them, you and I. And this is what he says. He said this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Because when you're left behind, your heart is troubled. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. And he's given them three years of their life that they know that they can trust him. That his words are true. That nothing about the word of, words of Jesus will fall to the ground. So when he says that, he says, trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this, if this were not so, would I have told you that? This is Jesus. If this isn't so, would I say this to you? You are my friends, my compadre. That I am going to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I am going to come and I'm going to get you. So that you will always be with me where I am. So Jesus says, yes, 
I am leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm leaving you with this promise. I'm leaving you because I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. And in that place that you can understand that I have a purpose. There is a plan. And then as if you want to read more about this, just read from John 13 through 16. And I'm pulling out scriptures through there to let you know this is the plan that Jesus has. Jesus is one of the, what we call the hope of glory of scripture. The hope of glory is Jesus is going to return for his church, for his followers. And you know, that is the, needs to be the forefront of who we are. Our, our lives are, this world is not my home. This place is. It's just a passing vapor compared to eternity. And you and I have a, that Jesus, and let me put it this way. Jesus is not only gone to prepare a place for the 12, but he's gone to prepare a place for each and every one of us to say, Jesus, you're my Lord. Every one of us. Those that have gone uh, before and those that are after, all through eternity, he goes to prepare a place for each and every one of us. And he's explaining this to his disciples. He says, don't ever forget. And this is, this is important. Don't ever forget. I, I, don't ever forget. I am coming back for you. Don't ever forget that I'm going to come back for you. We will one day be united. And just remind each other of that. Remind each other. Jesus has a plan. That Jesus is going to return. Matter of fact, it says in Peter 1.4. Back up. I'll just read it to you. We have a priceless inheritance. Peter 1.4. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. We have a priceless inheritance. That inheritance is that Jesus is for us and with us. It is a real place. It is not an imaginary realm. It's not a storybook place. It is reality. Matter of fact, a good way of putting it, this is the way I like to think about it. The reality we live in, this reality, the tangible Us, you and I, people, the tangible, the things that we feel, taste, smell, hear, all that, is created by another reality that Jesus went to and says, I am preparing a place for you. This reality is birthed out of the reality of God, and that is what he's talking about. It's not imaginary. It's not just false hope. It is as real as you and I here today. As real as you and I here today. And it's given to each and one. That's that inheritance. Inheritance that God gives to each and every one of us. And he goes on, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. And I think that's the biggest challenge for all of us, all the time, daily. Do we trust in God? Do we trust him? Will we say yes to him? Will we say, I know you're leaving, but you're coming back. I know that you're here and your presence is, is all, always around us. And then 
Secondly, the second promise is he makes not only about the future, but he makes about a promise of a friend, of an advocate. Somebody that comes alongside and be, is, a, is a part of our lives. Somebody we can trust. Jesus will say, I am going back, but in the meantime, I have left I am leaving you somebody else. Somebody else is coming to take my place. Where it says in John 14, 16. <clears throat> Thank you, Matt. Where it says in John, John 14, 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. One who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it is, it is looking for him. It is not, excuse me, because he will lead you in all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will live he will be in you. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He li- he, he's with you now, but later he will be with you. What is an advocate? An advocate is somebody that stands on your behalf. Somebody that comes and says, I am speaking for this person. I am with this person. And what, what Jesus is saying, I am sending you the Holy Spirit to be your advocate, to be your counselor, to be your guide, to help you illuminate the scriptures, to empower you to live this Christian life. That's the, the Holy Spirit who comes upon you in a moment's time, in that time that you receive Christ. It isn't a second witness. It isn't a second baptism. It is the whole package that comes when you say, I want Jesus to be my Lord. Now, there are times, I will say, when the Holy Spirit will come upon you, come upon you, and, and in doing so, uh, you, you can feel his presence. As we read in, in Corinthians, the Holy Spirit uses who he wills to prophesy, to give a word of knowledge, to speak forth a word of wisdom. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That friendship that Jesus gives is that I am not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I have a plan. Now think of it like this. When Jesus was in his physical form, he was in one place at one time. Fully God fully man. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's in the presence of 2.3 billion followers. Today's statistic. 2.3 followers. The Holy Spirit is in the presence. So Jesus had this powerful plan Okay. It's working up there. It's just not on that. All right. 
So we can receive, we, we have this presence of the Holy Spirit. Who will come, and the Bible talks about how he will come and lead us and guide us. He will teach us. And he is in us. You might ask some questions like, well, what does that look like practically? What does it feel like? When does it happen? What are the results? See, the Holy Spirit comes and, and, and helps us with our transformation, right? Um, helps us to move forward. And the thing about the Holy Spirit is he, he's always pointing to Jesus. So just to help you in the way I think, when I think of the Father and I think of the Son and I think of the Holy Spirit, when I, when I speak, I'm not just speaking towards an individual. I'm talking about a community of three. So when I refer to one, I'm always referring to all of them. I, you know, I... I don't, I, when, if I say the Father, I mean the Spirit and the Son. I talk mostly in terms of Jesus on a personal level. But when I say that, when I say of his presence, intuitively, I'm always, I understand it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Always. And um, I know that it can kind of get a little bit confusing um, it, that's just how I work it out between these ears. It works for me. I hope that helps you. But we receive, we get the Holy Spirit to, during what we call conversion. Conversion is, uh, another way of conversion is when we repent. Or we ask the Lord to come and take our lives. We, and where we come and say, look, I made a mess of my life and I need help with it. Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Or... You might be in this place, some of you could be in the place today where, you, where spiritually you, you, you're looking, you're seeking, th- you're, you're seeking, and maybe you've been in church as a, as in, as a child, and, and you're kind of doing this return, and you're, you're, you're trying to figure out, is, is, does God even want you? I'll answer that for you. Yes. I'll just say yes. And um, that's not a guess. That is a absolute yes. From here through all eternity, Jesus wants you. And so, we are given the Holy Spirit. How come this? That's where we're supposed to be. When Romans 8 9 it says, But you are not in control of your sinful nature. You're. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So, simply saying this, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. Does that make sense? Oh! Let me put it this way. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You either serve in yourself or you choose to serve Jesus. Now I understand. Now you're going to, well, Daryl, I'm not perfect. I agree with you. You're not. (laughs) Neither am I. 
But that's where grace comes in. We, the idea here is, Lord, forgive me of my shortcomings. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me when I fall short. Right? Matter of fact, there was a survey taken a few years back by a group called the Barna Group who does survey of religious people like ourselves. And uh, they, they, 53% of the church doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit. It's real. Now, my, my first question is, do you read the Bible? That would be my first question. My second question would be, do you believe the Bible? My third question would be, get over it. It's true. He, he, <laughs> he's real. He's personal. He's just as much as God as the Father and the Son is. And it goes on, and he, bring, he comes to bring us good news. He's not leaving us the way we are. He has promised to help us live this life in victory. In John 14, he says, he will never leave you. Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm sending my Holy Spirit to you. For some of us this morning, this could be a radical, life-changing moment. A moment where we say yes to God. A moment where we say, I'm tired of making a mess of my own life. Where you just say, God, I, I, I want to yield myself totally and completely to you. I want you to take my, my brokenness. I mean, some of us live in tremendous fear. Uh, some of us live in tremendous pain. That What I talked about earlier of abandonment. Fear of the future. Fear of life in general. Fear of all kinds of things. And yet Jesus said, I have come to give life and that more abundantly. I have come so that you might have hope. Um, I have come, I have stepped into the world today so that our lives, your life, our lives could be different. So that we could be light in the midst of darkness. So that you and I could walk with our heads held high and with our lives being changed from the inside out, not from the outside in. Where it, isn't, it becomes more passion and passionate versus legalism. It becomes something worth living for and dying for. Something worth telling our friends about because it's so rich and so real and so complete that we do not have to go anywhere else. It's all we need is Jesus and him alone. And he gives us his Holy Spirit so that you and I can be unrecognizable. Unrecognizable. Not stained from our path. And he, Jesus came not to, not to just continue for us to continue on and all the muck and the mire that we lived in. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said this, and Jesus did it. He lifts me up out of the muck and the mire. Jesus does that for you and I. And he, he gives us, he helps us ha clean house by way of his Holy Spirit. Yes. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Hear Jesus saying it again. Because if I don't go, the advocate won't come. And if I don't go away, then I will, if I go away, then I will send him to you. At this point, you can imagine, maybe Peter and John and these guys are having, maybe this isn't such a bad idea. I mean, I still need to work out the five-year plan. 
And maybe some say, and maybe one of them is sitting there thinking right there, and going, I, can, I think I can lead this crew. <clears throat> Pick whoever you think. Jesus says, that actually, it is better that I go. It is better for you. And when he leaves, Jesus says, I'm leaving. And when he comes, the counselor, he will guide you. He will strengthen you. And he will, com- he will comfort you. And he will instruct you. And he will always be with you. And so he goes on and he says, well, okay, so I'm going to give you a couple of things that I'm leaving with you as we just move forward. I am leaving you with a gift. That gift is peace of mind. That's what Jesus said. I am leaving you with peace. How would would you like to have a little peace of mind? There you go. Come on. We got a couple of honest people here. I would like to have peace of mind. Thank you very much. Peace of mind and of heart and, and peace I give is a gift. The world cannot give. So why do we keep going to these seminars? Why do we keep going places that all they can do is help us manage our, our, our emotional dysfunction? When Jesus says, I'll give it to you on your asking. Now, I'm not trying to beat anybody up or anything like that. I'm just telling you, this is what Jesus said. I'm going to give you peace of mind. So don't be troubled or be afraid. And some of us in this room today need to hear this. Do not be troubled and do not be afraid because I, the creator of the universe, is going to give you peace of mind. And with that peace of mind also comes the gift of joy. And how many of us here today are tired of being sad? Oh, I got some unction. Anyways, God is joy. The joy of my strength is the Lord. He goes on and and he says in John 15, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Come on, church. I need, I, I need, we need, let me give you some language. We need to flow out of the overflow of joy in the midst of pain. Is that guy dyslexic or what? What did he just say? Joy in the midst of trouble? Where does that come from? Where can that only come from? It only comes from Jesus. It only comes from Jesus. And, I, and I've had recently my own challenges with that. All of us. All of us. And here's one more promise, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this one. The gift of family. We are better together. We are better together. So he says, I'm leaving you, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to illuminate who I am, and with that you're going to receive my peace and that you're going to receive my joy. And then I want to give you some instructions, brothers. You need one another. You are better together than you are apart. We need one another. And so 
If you move forward from the crucifixion until the day of Pentecost, the birthing of the church, the, the Jesus movement, was all about the birthing of being together. You and I need to lean on one another. We need to be supportive. And I don't mean the kind of support that isn't confronting. I'm talking about the kind of support is you need to stop doing what you're doing so you can be filled with the joy and the peace of God and get the results that you're truly looking for. Jesus has paved a way for you to have that. Let's get there together. Oh, you're having a hard time. You're limping. Let me hold you up. We'll walk down this road together. We'll do life together. But don't, don't, don't expect me to tell me, let, say that you're okay when you're not, right? I don't want somebody to say, Daryl, you're okay when I'm not okay. What I want to say is I'm not okay. I need your prayers. I need your help. Because I am not meant to do it alone. I am not meant to do it alone. And neither are you. But somehow, some way, the devil comes in and says, if I tell them what I'm really, what's really going on in my life, they will reject me. Or they will look at me differently. They won't understand. Have you looked around our room? We come from every walk of life in here. We've, met, we've done it all ourselves. We're able to forgive others because we've been forgiven. We are not the judge. We are those that come along and give life to other people and help them get along. And it's really, okay, it's my choice, it's your choice, I get that. But we're better together. While I'm winding down here, let's have the worship team come forward. And also, let's take this opportunity to um, take our offering. Now, I want to say to you that uh, we are a community-supported church. And so I appreciate your generosity and your support. And if you're a guest with us today, please, this is, this is just our best way that we've figured out how to make that opportunity. I know many people use online. And, um, uh, and we're grateful for that as well. We're grateful for the different avenues that you use. So as Jesus is... Jesus said this in John 15. He said that every branch that doesn't bear fruit that is his, that doesn't, doesn't produce fruit, he prunes that branch so that it might bear fruit, so they'll produce even more fruit. And so, life has a way of just doing that for us, right? Where, where the Holy Spirit will come and he prunes our lives. My suggestion to any of us is that we just embrace that pruning of life. Um... And it's the work of the Lord. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's always for your own good, for my own good, and for the good of the whole. Always. 
If you're here this morning and you do not have a personal relationship with the Lord, God is, God is here for you. And uh, we want to be here for you. And as we sing this last song, um, also I want to remind those that, that the idea of being left behind, kind of, and I talked about the idea of abandonment, the idea of uh, being left alone, having somebody walk out on you, um, touched a nerve. And the Lord does not want you to carry that any longer. He doesn't want you to carry that pain. He, he wants, to, wants you to be free from it. You, you'll, never, you'll, you'll, never, you'll always have the memory of it, but you don't have to have the sting of it. You don't have to carry the weight of it. You don't have to carry the emotional trauma that comes with it. Jesus is here for you. And, and as we close this morning, we want to pray for that. And we, want, we have others here that, that will pray for you. So let's stand and worship the, this last song.